Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 111 of the CZUS Show. It's yours truly. I'm excited to deliver to you guys a very, very fun-filled episode. But before we get into today's hottest topics, I just want to make sure that you guys support, show love, follow on all forms of social media, subscribe, rate, comment, and share at the CZUS Show, at CZUS as well, too. Obviously, last episode, 110, we kind of talked about what's to be expected uh, in these upcoming rounds as well, too. I was happy I got a couple right. Um, only, I think, two, no, three right. Um, but nonetheless, great series um, all the way through as well, too. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And I'm pretty excited for today's episode as well, too. So we're going to be highlighting what we thought about in the second round matchups and our hopes and, and expectations going into the conference finals. I mean, there's only four teams left. They're all clashing it out, literally like the Clash of Titans. So we're going to see who's going to be that last team standing from the east, last team who's standing from the west as well, too. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my brother, D-Sharp. Let's get it and let's debate. Good, man. It's good to be back, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I feel like after this, what we just got the got the finals preview coming up. So um, it's been it's been a pretty it's been a pretty good journey, you know, weekly by weekly, just talking hoops. I feel like this is the most you and I, from a personal standpoint, have have spoken hoops as well too. Just breaking down every game within 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 each series. So that's been pretty dope as well too. You you've been living good though. Yeah, I'm chilling, man. I'm back home. And Newport News, so uh, cool. See. You can see okay. the spot. Yeah, I'm out here chilling. Um, but like, like you said, man, it's good to talk hoops. Good to talk playoffs. For, sure, for sure, man. Let's let's get into it, man. So before we get into the conference finals previews, obviously everyone you know is is waiting for that to take place. Obviously, the first game is taking place. I want to rewind time, man, because all around, aside from the sweep from. Um, you know, Denver and, and Jokic getting to altercation and, and toss side, which was dumb, by the way. Um, the semifinals kind of essentially lived up to the hype. And we had we had two game sevens and we had uh, one game six. And like I said, we had a sweep as well, too. Um, but I kind of want to put my focus on, uh, I guess, first and foremost, the Nets and, and Bucks series as well, too. So I believe I had Nets in seven. I think you did. You have Bucks in seven. Yeah, Bucks in seven, man. Put I think you had Bucks in seven, so we should have definitely uh, had a little bet on that as well, too. But um, yeah, I mean, great series. Um, lived up to the hype. You know, we had I think one or two overtime games, or just going down to the wire as well, too, within possession games as well, too. So it just kind of came down to who wanted it, and obviously who was the most healthiest as well, too. But I want to give flowers to two phenoms, two superstars. You had Katie, who averaged 43 minutes a game, and um, his, his numbers were crazy. 35 points per game, 11 rebounds, five assists, and shot 49% from the field. And you had Giannis, um, who had 32 points, 13 rebounds, and 3.6 assists as well, too. So going into this series, I've, I well, going into the series, I just thought that the amount of firepower that the the Nets had would basically overcome them because I still felt like they had um, flaws in their defense. And the fact that it was going to be Nash getting a little bit deeper into the playoffs, I felt like from a game-by-game adjustment, he just wasn't going to be up to par with Coach Bud as well too. But, um, you know, if Kyrie doesn't go down, what, game five um, or game four rather, and, yeah, if Kyrie don't go down game four, 
And then first game within the first, like, what, 30 seconds, Harden pulls his hamstring. He tries to will his way back and play the last three games. Then who knows what happens, you know what I'm saying, moving forward as well, too. So credit to the Nets. The fact that Harden was playing on one, one, one bad hammy and the fact that Kyrie went down to, for them to force game seven and yet alone go to overtime – that kind of just tells you what's to come moving forward as well, too. And it's not – it's very rare when a team like this gets a seminar win their first year. We got an anomaly with the Boston Celtics. And then the next sample size we had was, of course, um, the the Miami Heat when Wade, Bosch, and, and, and Bron all joined forces together and win their first year as well. So um, I just felt like this year it's just been very injury-riddled. Um, but credit to both teams doing what they had to do. Giannis ended up coming on top as well, too. What were, what were your thoughts behind the series in general? Um, I felt like it didn't live up to everyone's expectation. You know, before the season, I mean, before that series started, everyone thought that this was going to be the one. Three, three stars versus three stars. And like you said, injuries kind of ruined that for, for all of us. So it's unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate that Kyrie went out. James Harden was virtually playing on one leg. So that was unfortunate too. Um, some of the highs for me was Kevin Durant. He played phenomenal. KD, KD showed the world why he's arguably the best player in the NBA. Mm. Um, so that was good to see. Good to see KD display his talent, his greatness for the world to see again after missing a year of basketball. Um, and Giannis, to me, Giannis answered the call. You know, can you win with superstars around you? Or, or is, is this just another experiment and you, you're going to get knocked out of the playoffs early again? So for me, Giannis showed a lot of heart. Chris Middleton showed a lot of heart. And Drew, Drew played well. Uh, some things that I didn't like, I didn't like some of the coaching decisions by Steve Nash. Um, I felt like there was an opportunity to really utilize that bench. And he really didn't. He, I felt like he played KD too many minutes. Um, it's only it's only so many times you can go back to that KD well before it runs dry. And um, and we saw it in game seven. We saw like he gave it everything he had. He didn't have nothing left. So I felt like, you know, I felt like Coach Nash could have had some adjustment. And all that being said, they still win this series if certain players play well. You know, if, if Joe Harris hits a few shots here and there, they still win the series. So I think overall, I think it was a it was a it was a good series. Um, um, but, yeah, man, the injuries kind of ruined it for me, man. I wanted to see the, the dogs go against the dogs. And yeah, I feel like we were robbed of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm glad that Coach Bud was aware that Giannis one thing I like about Giannis, and we're going to talk about this other individual in, 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 in a couple different, in a couple other segments or whatnot, but at least with Giannis is like, he's not the most skilled, but he, you can tell he wants to be great. And he, he's literally trying to become above average in all three facets, the mid range, the three point, and in the post as well too. Um, so we, we, we saw how dominant he was. We saw that he kept trying, but he's the type of guy that he will, give you everything he has the first couple quarters but fourth quarter they kind of realize yo Chris Milton you're going to be our closer so for him to 
realize that, Coach Butt realized that and make that adjustment and just play through Middleton and use Giannis as a decoy at the dunker spot or even have Drew out there kind of taking turns as well too or find the open man. They, they did pretty well. Um, so um, I'm very interested to see what happens moving forward. So Katie showed us his greatness. Um, biggest knock on Katie was like, oh, the only reason you got championships is because essentially you joined a well-breaded team. And now okay. we know with KD, if you have just competent players and a good coaching staff, I think KD's on that level where he can carry a team from point A to point B. Obviously, he's not a type of player like LeBron, who's a he's a point guard first and can also score, but KD's a bucket getter. So mm-hmm. we put the right pieces around KD. Honestly, KD just needs that. If Harden didn't play this whole series, like we said, and K and KD was with Kyrie. They would have won that joint. Oh, yeah, for sure. I won it five, six, like for real, for yeah. real. Um, but that just shows you how great KD is. And he got in his bag, man. Like, I think the whole world was – I think the narrative changed, obviously, when, when Harden went down, like, yo, KD – and then when Kyrie go down, yo, KD, let me show show me what you about. And he showed out, um, and he literally has no weakness in his game whatsoever um, as well, too. So it was sad seeing him – you know, take that L, but I felt happy that, that Giannis kind of got over that hump. I mean, it's the second time in the conference finals, but it, it was good to see, you know, someone who worked so hard for everything to pay off in the end as well, too. So um, two questions for you. One, has KD solidified that he's the best player in the game? It, it, does LeBron still have that crown? Um, we'll, we'll start off with that question. I got another question after this. Um. I think I think when when you have players at the level of KD and LeBron, it's like it's like who it's like who do you decide? I think for me, I'm gonna give the edge to LeBron just because of the championships ring. But if I'm talking about the complete game as a basketball player, I gotta go with I gotta go with KD. I mean, what he showed this playoffs, I'm unguardable. Like, there's no weakness he has offensively. Like, one day, sometimes I, I wake up and be like, yo, LeBron, the best player. And then he'd be like, no, not KD, the best player in the league. That's how, that's really what it is. And I think, I think as a fan of the game, yeah. I think it's just cool just to appreciate, appreciate both of them and what they do special, what KD does special, and what LeBron does special. I think, I think when we start to compare who's better and who's the best, we ruin the experience as fans to really enjoy the brilliance of both players. But like, I wouldn't even be mad if you say whoever you say, right? Like LeBron's a phenomenal playmaker. There's ability to think the game through and Katie, just a bucket, just a real bucket. And so I don't know, man, I'm leaning to LeBron today. Tomorrow I might wake up and be like, yo, it's Katie. All right. And then my second question for you is, um, Obviously, you know, I feel like we're not going to have a form of normalcy until the next season is over with. So going into the 2022-23 season, not this upcoming season, because obviously we had COVID and then there was a lot of pressure with TV deals and whatnot. So we started in, uh, I think, what, Christmas time or a couple of days before Christmas. And then the finals, if you get that far, is going into mid-July. And then basically we're going back to normal. But the amount of time that you have to the amount of time to put into preparation and all that other good stuff as well like that's still kind of shortened so 
I hope we don't feel the effects of injuries moving forward and whatnot as well, too. But if everything is sort of normal, you know, teams are at full strength going into the playoffs next year. Do you think um, it's safe to say that the Nets should be the favorites going into next season as to be, the, uh, you know, the champions? Um, I, th- I think they're obviously going to have the star power, right? The, the, the question then remains is, are you going is Spencer Dinwiddie coming back, right? Is Joe, are you going to re are you going to trade for Joe Harris because he didn't really play that well this postseason? So it depends, like, are you going to try it and go out to get Miles Turner? Like your def, like your defense was a major problem this season. So, and all your star players are coming back one year older. Um, two of them already committed to play in the Tokyo Olympics. So that's more games added to their, to their legs. So how, how are you going to, like, how are you going to revamp your team around your three superstars and answer some of those questions of defense, right? And shooting in the postseason. So if, but if, as of right now, whenever you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, you're always in that conversation for, yo, we're going to be right back there if we're healthy. So, yes, I think next year they're going to be championship or bust type of team just because of the star power. So, mm. okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well, too. Um, moving on from there, um, I guess we got to address the, the biggest elephant in the room is the Hawks 76ers. So I remember we had our initial playoff preview. We literally had each team broken down one through eight from the east, one through eight from the west. And we looked at everything in the landscape. And we're like, yo, Philly has the easiest route to get to the conference finals, like barring any injury as well, too. Um, they took care of business for one, the Wizards. And then yesterday I'm, I'm at a day party um, and I'm like, all right, I'm probably dipped by the start of the fourth quarter. And I didn't even check my phone, nothing like that. And I check, it's like 86, 86 with like eight minutes ago. I was like, yo, let me get my ass out of here right now. Um, so to see them, I, I knew the Hawks were going to make it close just because they showed the ability to make runs and whatnot as well, too. But I gave Philly the edge just because they had home court advantage and they had more of a star focused, um, you know, team as well, too. Basically, three borderline all star caliber players with just Trey Young right there. And Trey Young struggled the whole game as well, too. But um, tell me about your thoughts on the series. Um, and, 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 and before we even do any of that, I just want to pay, pay respect to a couple of people. Shout out to Trey Young, Ice Cold, had a great series. Um, everyone's calling him the villain that we deserve as well, too. Um, I'm still not sold on the whole villain, you know, so to say, more so villain to the Knicks. Um, but he did his thing. Uh, you know, Nate McMillan showed that he's a brilliant coach, and you kind of wonder why did the Pacers get rid of him so early. Um, I think right now he's an assistant coach, and if he doesn't get the bag and gets like a three- to five-year deal for the Hawks that are that young and emerging, then something's wrong with the Hawks organization as well, too. Joel Embiid had a torn meniscus. For him to, you know, just throw away the pain tolerance away in an average 30 and 13 um, and shoot almost close to 50% from the field and, and 36% from three, it's pretty good. 
um, as well, too. So I want to give them their flowers as well, too. The, the Hawks are definitely on to something, and we should have a good conference finals, so to say, as well. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what were your thoughts on the entirety of that series, man? Because a lot of people can point to Ben Simmons. A lot of people can point to, you know, Danny Green going down. A lot of people can call and point to adjustments from Doc Rivers, and he's been notorious for blowing 3-1, 3-2 leads as well, too. Um what are your thoughts on what what went wrong with Philly? Because I, as as much as good as Atlanta did this series, I felt like Philly lost this series. And like I said, we can attribute that to a lot of things. But focusing on Philly, like what do you think went wrong? Um, I think I think Embiid being slightly not slightly injured, the Embiid played with a serious injury. I think that kind of affected the team in certain ways uh, and B didn't post up as much. He didn't really want to bang as much. Obviously he's dealing with a, a slight meniscus injury. So he doesn't really want it aggravated to the point where he has to miss an entire season next season. So he played with a lot of caution, but he still tried to insert himself. And when in the playoffs, you need your best players to be at their best. Right. Um, so even though in B played well, I think he, it wasn't the MVP type of Embiid we saw throughout the season. Even though he left it all on the floor, he did a phenomenal job even being out there given the situation he was in. And then I think, um, you know, a lot of people have been killing this dude, uh, Ben Simmons. I think um, I think Ben Simmons um, didn't play the way um, we would like him to play, right? He wasn't really as aggressive as he should have been. So I think that played a huge role in, in, in the entire series. And they didn't win in game five when they had that huge lead. Like you can't give a young team like that um, life when you, can, when you have an opportunity to crush them. So that may be a reflection on the coach. That may be a reflection on the player just not executing down the stretch to really seize the moment, right? So when you have players like Embiid, Tobias Harris, um, Ben Simmons, and you and you've been in the playoffs before. You understand the pressure that comes with winning. When you're up that high, you have to seize the moment, right? Because if you don't seize the moment, you give other teams, especially a young team that is explosive, can shoot the three, and they have a dynamic point guard. You don't want to give them any sense of hope. So not closing out game five to me was a, it was a missed opportunity for a for a playoff experienced team. And then Ben Simmons not being comfortable taking those free throws at the end of the games. I think that really kind of shook the team's confidence in their point guard, right? So and then you can't not blame or put some blame on Doc Rivers, right? Like, like there is a history of you not taking teams <laughs> to the next level. Um, so again, he doesn't play for these players, but he does coach. I don't know, uh, what adjustment he could have made. Um, I would have liked to see, um, um, probably, uh, Maxie get a little bit more, uh, tick. Uh, but again, this, this was the Sixers series to win. They had like Atlanta was really giving them mad opportunities. They're like, yo, bro, here. Y'all can win this shit. We don't really, we, we really not supposed to be here. Nick. So, um, 
Yeah, man, I think it was a combination of just Embiid not being his 100% self, but no one's 100%, so you can't really make that excuse. Danny Green was out. Another defender you could have thrown on Trey Young that may have another veteran leader who just may have just given, you know, Ben Simmons a little bit of confidence. Like, yo, you good, bro. Don't worry. Don't let this moment really um, take you out of your game. I think, you know, without Danny Green being there, you can kind of see it in Ben Simmons' face, like his confidence was losing. And once, and when you're a great player, once you lose your confidence, your confidence, you're no longer yourself no more. You start, you start second downing yourself. So I think, you know, you got to give respect to Atlanta. <laughs> they still won it. They, they won four times. But I know Sixers are looking at, especially this year, they're looking at themselves like, man, this was the year. None of the big dogs are in it. <laughs> Ron AD out. KD. Wise, uncertain. Brooklyn, yeah. Kyrie in Brooklyn. You know what this I'm saying? Was, so this, it, this was yeah. their year. And then, like you said, they blew it as well, too. Um, we've been kind of giving Ben Simmons a pass and, you know, we're, we're kind of just saying, yo, this is, he is who he is, but we haven't literally, we literally said a couple of years back, like this guy was going to be the next LeBron James. And we saw it in, we saw it in, um, what's it, what's it called when you get drafted? Uh, summer league, obviously mm-hmm. he broke his foot. Then he came back on a tear his rookie year. They won 50 games their rookie year as well, too, and showed so much promise, um, you know, getting to where they need to get to. And um, it was just it's just kind of crazy how we just haven't really seen him expand his game as well, too. Um, and part of it, I put the blame, I'd say 90% on him because at the end of the day, it's mind over matter. And then 10% on the coaching staff, including Doc Rivers as well, too. You have to set the tone early on when you took this position, like, yo, for us to get to this next level, for us to be a championship contending team, you're one of our max players. You're going to have to get uncomfortable because when you get uncomfortable, that's when you're going to be able to make yourself better in the long term as well, too. And I just felt like he kind of took that for granted. And I felt like Doc maybe Doc tried to reach out, maybe Doc tried to reach him and he would say it, but he just wouldn't go out and do it. But if you're going to be a max player, not only a max player, but the starting point guard for your squad, you have to be on the floor to not only, you have to facilitate for your team. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times when they had to take Ben Simmons out, their offense would just be a little sloppy as well too. And then when you have him in the game, he doesn't even want to initiate anything because they're going to do a hack of Ben and whatnot. So, and like I said a little earlier with 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 Giannis Antetokounmpo, Giannis, Giannis isn't a great free throw shooter. He's not a great main, mid-range shooter. He's not a great three-point shooter. But he busts his ass every single year, and you can see him slowly get better and better and better. If you want to separate yourself amongst the pack, you got to put that extra time, energy, and effort in. And I just feel like he didn't want to necessarily do that and thought he could get away with it as well, too, um, given everything that he's gotten at an early age. So unless he looks himself in the mirror and surrounds himself with like-minded individuals. And I'm going to say this, get away from social media and disable your comments because people are going to be killing you all off season and then you're never going to improve. So I don't know if it's going to be him having to do that or him having to basically put himself in a new environment and get traded as well too. I don't know what it is because it just doesn't make sense how he's digressed um, each and every single year as well, too. I mean, he does all the other things that are great, right? He is the point guard. He does facilitate. He gets in transition. He can guard one through five. All those things are great as well, too. But 
for you to not be able to be in the game and you you being scared to basically rise above the occasion, you're and given Joel Embiid's injury history, like we don't know how many more years Joel Embiid got, you know what I'm saying? You can't waste his prime as well, too. So I think I think 90% of the blame definitely has to go to Ben Simmons as well, too. And now I'm thinking, like, is he going to be – is he – Is he? have we accepted the fact he is who he is? Because if he is who he is, you may have to look at trading him. And I said this uh, while we were on group FaceTime earlier as well. I think the salaries salaries in line, I might try to whisper in Beal's ear like, yo, let me get out of Philly. I mean, let me get out of Washington. Trade me for Ben. If I had a dream scenario, I would trade Russell Westbrook and I would trade to uh, trade Bradley Beal for hella draft picks plus for um, Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris as well, too. And I think it's a win-win as well because, I mean, right now I feel like the Wizards, they just, they just fired their coach. We don't know what they're about to get. We don't know the future of Russell Westbrook. They have young talent. You know, they just drafted some people last year as well, too, and, and, and Rui Yashamara and Danny and all that as well, too. Promising big on the rise to, to a couple. They have pieces around Benson's with shooters everywhere as well, too. So you get a franchise player who's only going to be 24 years old, and now there's no pressure or no quote-unquote expectations. And now you can kind of build that team and mold that team kind of like a Giannis where you literally have shooters surrounded with you everywhere. And then, you know, maybe they, maybe they can work things out. And then also you bring Tobias with them who is going to be not only a veteran, but also another vocal leader as well, too, to go along with that young talent as well. So I think that would work. And then also, Joel B is not getting, like LeBron James said months, weeks back, I'm never going to be at 100%. The day I pick up a basketball, um, once I start my first year, like, you just slowly deteriorate as well, too. But you can do things to keep yourself in tip-top shape, tip-top form, whether that's dieting, whether that's your workout, you can change things around. So with Embiid, given his injury history, I don't know how long he's going to last. So why not have a Bradley Beal, who's a certified bucket, who proved to you in the first round of going up against him, he's a he's a hooper. Like, he's not going to go away from the moment. Like, he's reached that level where he's like, oh, okay, I know what I have to do. Okay, I'm going to keep my mental right. All right, bet. Certified bucket, all three levels. Russell Westbrook, that replaces – Ben Simmons as the facilitator. I mean, Russ is kind of like Giannis, right? He can do everything, but at least he's not afraid at the moment. So if you can keep them intact with their shooters and still have that defensive identity, I think that can help the 76ers get over the hump. But that's that's just my that's just my take right there as well, too. Any thoughts on that? Um yeah, man. I think I think, you know, when you lose in the playoffs, we tend to overreact. And rightfully so, uh, Ben Simmons didn't perform that well, right? And I think for him to get to that next level, he has, if he wants to get to that next level, right? Because like you said, it's, it's all dependent on that player. I think developing a jump shot, but being confident in your okay. in the work that you put in, in the offseason and throughout the season, really take that those jump shots, will take him to the next level. I want to remind people, like, He's 24 years old, made three straight all-star defensive team, first team defense, right? Some people are saying he probably should have been the defensive player of the year. So you see the immense talent with Ben Simmons, immense talent. He's a very talented kid. 
Um, but again, like it just goes to show that um, when your confidence isn't as high as it should be, or you don't you don't have certain confidence, whether that's you don't trust the work you put in, or you don't feel comfortable shooting, in those moments, those high pressure moments, they really show themselves, right? Um, that's one of the reasons why people said, you know, Danny when Danny Green was there, he would always give you know Ben a little bit more confidence. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Sometimes you need those types of players. Certain players need that type of uh, um, feedback and reassurance. But I think if Ben Simmons wants to take that next um, level, he has to develop a jump shot and be willing to take those jump shots, even if it looks ugly, even if it's this and that, right? I think I think, I think one of the, the things with social media, you got to remember Ben Simmons is 24, so he's a young, he's like a young kid, so social media is all he knows. Like, everyone thinks that, yo, this is ugly, we're going to clown you. Like, everyone, like, that's the first thing we we – the negativity is the thing that kind of rises to the top. But in actuality, you have to like, like you said, like ignore that and realize that if you want to take it to the next level, if you want to be as great as you possibly can and have no regrets when you look back at your career, it's really, um, you know, obviously continue to work on your jump shot, but take it, right? And I think, you know, I think, out of all the years they've been bounced out he got hurt last year in the playoffs so he didn't really have an opportunity to really display his game i think this year this is probably the most heat he's gotten philly fans don't care they already don't <laughs> care you know philly philly cats don't care so they saw and b go out there and give it all he got and, and, and ben has played great this season but when you have when you when you dub yourself the process and you put all this coronation on you know, what's about to happen and you don't perform. And this is Philadelphia. Some of the realest fans in the, in the world, they're going to let you know. And I think this year they're like, yo, we, we've been chilling. We've been cool. We understand you're young. You're still developing. But the fact that you didn't show no aggression in a game seven, I think he attempted three shots in the fourth quarter. All games combined. <laughs> um, so that that shows them, and I don't think this is true. I don't, I don't believe Ben Simmons isn't an aggressive player because he is, he's shown it. But in the series, I don't know what happened where he felt like I don't really want to insert myself. And that can't be the case, right? He, and he knows that, right? He, he in his interview, he said, yo, um, I didn't play as well as I possibly can. And as a player, it hurts because you want to do everything to help your team win. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, whether it be confidence, whether I don't really want, I, if I go to the line, I'm shooting historically the worst in the NBA. I don't really want to put my team in a bad situation. And he started thinking the game instead of just reacting and playing. And you can see that. And once you start thinking, thinking and not just reacting, you start to see what happens. You start freezes. Oh, maybe I shouldn't go for a dunk. And I'm 6'10", but maybe I missed the dunk and I get fouled and I got to go to the line and make do. So you start thinking of all these scenarios before the situation actually occurs. And I just think for Ben Simmons, I think use this as fuel to just get better and take your game to the next level. But don't let this moment in time define who you are as a player because you're not. You're better than this. We all know that. So that would be my advice for Ben. Okay, cool. Moving on from that. Um... 
going into the Hawks uh, versus Bucks series, um, I think that's set to begin on Wednesday as well, too. Uh, and it should be a pretty good series as well, too, because like I said, the Hawks are going in as the underdogs as well, too. Everyone kind of has crowned that the the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be the prohibitive favorites, are going to be representing the East when it's all said and done as well, too. Um, I'm not going to sleep on the Hawks just because they've shown from series to series that they not only can adjust, but they can come back and they had that, that form of resilience within them as well, too. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about matchups as well, too. Um, so I feel like they're going to have, like, I feel like with Philly, they kind of, they live and die by Joel and B playing inside out. Um, and I think with the, with the, with the, with the Bucks, Giannis is going to get out in transition. Um, they're going to kick it out to the open shooters. And if they have to play inside out, they can as well, too. But I think you're going to have a team that's been, both teams have been battle tested as well, too. But I feel like with the with the Bucks, the fact that they got through who we thought were going to get to the finals, they have this new form of confidence with them, and they also have home court advantage. And Boston, I mean not Boston, Milwaukee Bucks since the first round against Miami, and then going going into the Nets, they haven't lost at home yet as well. So just off the strength of their home court of, of home court advantage, I don't expect them I expect them to lose. But also. Trey Young has proven he can win on the road as well, too, and, and nothing's too um, bright of a moment for him as well, too. So I'm interested to see who's going to be the who's going to be guarding him. Um, obviously, that primarily is going to be Drew Holiday. But aside from that, it's not like they have a super dynamic wing two-way type of player. So you can't put P.J. on like how you put P.J. on, you know, Kevin Durant as well, too. So are you going to go with him a little bit, with Cunningham, maybe Middleton? You know, who's going to really try to neutralize and shut down Trey Young as well, too? Um, then you can also argue on the other side, who's really going to slow down Giannis as well, too. Um, so it's going to come down, obviously, coaching. But I think I think that the Bucks have um, more firepower. Um, and I think their coach is, oddly enough, going to out-coach uh, Nate McMillan. Um, we'll see as well, too. But what are your thoughts on that series? Um, you know, who you got winning and how many games? I think I, think I got... I think this is one of those series where the Bucks just want to get shit done. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an outlandish take right now because um, I think Trey can win you one game, but I felt like Philly just had too many mishaps. And obviously with the with the Knicks, they was, this was their first year in the playoffs. And, you know, Julius Randle was his first time around too. Um, and he just didn't really have that much offense. So I'm going to say Bucks in five. <laughs> you stole the words right out of my mouth, bro. <laughs> I think I – think. I think the Bucks are going to win this in five. I think just be, they got better with like you got a perimeter defender in Drew, right? The Bucks have a great defensive team, a great defensive team, and one of the things that Atlanta does is Trey Young on the pick and roll, he's able to get that lob to uh, Capella. With Giannis, he's so athletic, he's so quick, like he can cover ground exceptionally fast. So. Not only will Drew be making it difficult for Trey Young to get into his sets and, and for Atlanta to get into their action, but Giannis, like he's a he's a monster. Like you can throw it up there, he'll go quick, he'll go and get it. He'll make it difficult for Capella. He's like, he's like a Shaquille O'Neal type of force who can run like a four-four, like, you know, that type of that type of pressure on Atlanta. They don't have that type of size and athleticism to combat that, right? And then 
And then I think with Chris Middleton being their closer at the end of the games, it allows for the Bucks to have a proven all-star in crucial moments. If those games end up being or end up winding down to crucial moments, a person who is able to hit the outside jump shot, get to a spot and get fouled and get and hit free throws, right? So it's going to be hard for that Atlanta team to really A, overcome the dominance of Giannis. No one has been able to do it successfully. Um, Chris Middleton, a skilled player at, on the perimeter who can score at all three levels and Drew Holiday who can continue to get in the paint. And once you, once you have a point guard that can get in the paint and cause that much havoc, you're putting a lot of pressure on your, um, on your, on your front court to really be able to stop that. So I think the flaws that um, Philly had when they're not being able to really stop Trey Young from getting in the paint, Drew Holiday ain't going to do that. He's going to make you work. He's going to make you work. And then you have Giannis. And this brother, like, he is going to cook, like, for real. So I think Trey might, they might be able to steal one in Atlanta. But, again, the Milwaukee get hot from three and Giannis is dominating the paint, it's going to be a quick series. So I have the Bucks winning in five. I think they have no answer for Giannis. No answer. They better. They better hope it's close, and they try to do a hacker, hacker Giannis too, because Giannis doesn't really shoot relatively well from the free throw line yeah. as well. But like I said, his even if they do that, his confidence is through the roof as well yeah. too. There's a reason why he's a two-time MVP, yeah, absolutely defensive player of the year as well too. But I agree with you. Um, yeah, definitely got the Bucks in five as well too. So hopefully, I'm wrong because I want to see some good basketball. But we're gonna see. You'll see some good basketball. It just won't be that long. <laughs> No, that's a fact. Uh, so moving on to the West as well, too, before we get into the Western Conference preview, um, obviously you and I were watching the Utah and um, the, the Clippers series close. Honestly, every series the Clippers been in has probably been the best series so far as well, too. Um, one, the West is just stronger. And two, uh, you just have these young guys who have teams – quote unquote, just builds around them and they're not afraid of the moment as well, too, from the Lucas to the D Mitch, now to Booker, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, it's pretty exciting to see as well. So obviously with this series um, going into it, I said Clippers in six and I was actually right. Clippers in six as well, too. I was proud of that, um, but I didn't think they were going to win in that specific fashion. Um, I didn't think Kawhi Leonard was going to go down. Um, and I, I, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like I, I, I love PG. It's a love hate relationship with him as well too. Um, but if you would have told me this series, he was gonna average 29, 10 and five and shoot over 40% from the field and almost 90% from the free throw. I was wouldn't like, believe Damn. I wouldn't believe it as well too. But Talu, man, He's a great coach. At first, I was shitting on him because I, I I just assumed because he plays with LeBron. LeBron always overshadowed. That's why a lot of superstars or other all-star caliber players don't like to play with LeBron because it lives and die by him. It's like, all right, if we win, LeBron's the best. If we lose, LeBron will have no help. Like, there's no happy medium as well, too. So I felt like Ty Lue kind of suffered from that as well, too. But now we're actually getting to sh- get, get to see his array of – 
adjustments and what he can throw at you as well, too. So Ty Lue kind of reminds me of LeBron James in the sense of LeBron always has game one as a feel for like some t- some some coaches just attack you right away as well, too. But he's going to go throughout his entire depth and he's going to go and see, all right, who can who can I count on in these dog ass moments? Yeah. Who can who who can I count on? Who can I rely on? And what are y'all throwing at me? OK, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to combat that as well, too. So for him to realize in the first series that we're just going to go and play small basketball um, and basically just attack the rim as well, too, uh, for him to kind of. Because I think I believe in game one he started Zubak. No game, so game one he started. He went small, and then game two he went back to Zubak. And then moving forward, he just continued to go small as well too as well. Um, but you kind of have to do what you got to do. You got to blitz. You have to pick up Donovan Mitchell full court, and then one you can't force him to be playing at his own pace and being able to, you know, do what he has to do. You have to kind of blitz him and double team and get the ball out of his hands and force other people to beat you as well, too. So I was proud that they did that. I was proud that it was pretty much even on the boards, even though they went small as well, too. Um, but the biggest thing was probably Paul George being great. Um, obviously, Kawhi helped them uh, help them win the tie 2-2. But the resilience of that bench mob um, and, and Mr. June, Reggie Jackson, like everyone came to play as well too. They just implied, they just played inspiring basketball. So you can tell they're, they're, they got their mental right. Um, and they make the necessary adjust, adjustments. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, who's to say if Mike Conley wasn't hurt, you know, the series would have been different or if Donovan Mitchell wasn't on a bummy angle, who knows, but injuries are a part of the game and you just have to do what you got to do. But, I mean, Utah was up what almost 18, 20 points as well. Like I was, I was laughing with you. Uh, I cut the game off, bro. Like as a as a fan of Kawhi and now kind of being a Clippers fan, or as long as Kawhi's there, I'm just like, yo, he's injured right now. Like it's you, it's up for you. Is you, you is Utah's game to win essentially? It's serious to win essentially. Uh, so for them to weather the storm and come back on two separate occasions kind of really spoke volumes as well, too, because there should have been a lot of times where Utah should have put them asleep, but they just will not go down without a fight um, as well, too. And, and that series turned out being great as well, too. And, and I learned a lot about not only the resilience of PG, but just how deep and and how committed this team are from, from the roster number one to number 15 as well, too. But what, you, what were your thoughts on that series? Man, that was a great series. Uh... Um, I think I think Paul George showed the world, man, why he play off feet. <laughs> Y'all heard about playoff feet? Uh, <laughs> um, I think, no, but I think, like you said, I think Teron Lou, great adjustments, great adjustments, man. He's 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 looking like he's going to be in the NBA for a long time and coaching at a high level for a long time. But like you said, the benchmark. The player that you didn't expect to step up, stepped up big time. Terrence, man, wow. Incredible. Like, one of the greatest playoffs performances. Like Literally. Like, literally, like, he single-handedly brought them back. And so, and, and, and Reggie Jackson, man, like, the confidence to be able to, like, man, we, we taking it. We're not going to wait for nothing. Uh, and then Paul George showing the world, like, yo, in terms of skill set, I'm right up there with our elite players. I'm right up there. So 
I think having Ty Lue, having Marquise Moore, having Patoon, having PG, like it's it's almost like a collection of Pat Bev. It's a collection of guys coming out there like, man, we may not have like the two superstars because Kawhi is out, out and out, but as a team, we're going to put this team together and we're going to roll. We're going to ride for each other. And I think what the Clippers have, have done in this, in this year from being the laughing stock of the NBA verse, I feel like people are now low key rooting for the Clippers. I've seen this transition where we like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, but we love this ride. <laughs> like we love this ride. We, yeah, we didn't like y'all last year, but y'all, y'all, y'all actually kind of like it. We actually kind of like yeah. this unpredictable. Like we don't know. We don't. We don't know <laughs> after like two games they lose, then Talu put on that Popovich hat. <laughs> like <laughs> so we don't like so everybody like watching. Like yeah, we we can't count count them out because they were down by twenty something and they came back. Like it's one of those things. Like we just here for the ride now. <laughs> like this is a ride. So we just going to be here. So the Clippers, I think, I think, man, I don't know, man. They're one of those teams that can change the entire landscape of a series just by the next man mentality, somebody stepping up and doing great things. Yeah. Um, hell of a series as well too. And shout out to Donovan Mitchell, literally be like 2.0, bro. He's a dog. He's, He's a, a dog. For sure. They have, they have the pieces around him. They, they honestly could have won a championship this year, too. But like you said, injuries are always something that's going to come about as well, too. If they can get another dynamic uh, bucket getter. Um, or, honestly, I like I like what they have. Um, but, yeah, let's see. Let's see them running back next year with a healthy county. Obviously, you're, you're, not, you're never going to have the same roster from top to bottom. But I like I like the future that they have there, too. Um, and, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, I'm glad that Donovan Mitchell had to re-remind people how how great he is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As well, too, because Utah was another laughable team as well, too. We saw from all-star selections with KD and Bron. They're like, no one picks the Jazz. <laughs> no, there was no all, all – I mean, Donovan Mitchell ain't making the all he, – he was an all-star reserve, I think. No, I don't think he's all-star. You know, he's all-star reserve. He didn't make any of the all-teams, so – he got a he got a chip on his shoulder as well too, and he's one of those kids where he knows he wants to be great, and he and he's a student of the game. So, um, it, it, we're seeing this weird transition of the young guys kind of, yeah. you know, overtaking the oh, the old heads or the last of the dying breeds. But his time will come. Um, him, Luca, Trey, all that times will come. But right now, we we still got we still got some other people who are trying to take care of business as well. Um, no real need to talk about, you know, the Nuggets versus Phoenix series, you know, no Murray. Um, so basically, it's Jokic playing by himself as well, too. And, and Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker had a hell of a series as well. So um, shout out to them as well, too. Um, and shout out to the Joker. You know, we'll see what happens next year and whatnot. But focusing on this, the Suns versus um, Clippers series, um, we – we don't we like it says a lot of unpredictability going with the Clippers as well too. Obviously with Chris Paul, he had the COVID nineteen health and safety protocol situation. So apparently, I think he got uh, diagnosed with COVID, even though he did take the vaccine. But he's not really feeling any form of symptoms, and the biggest thing is spreading it, right? So I think with quarantine, they want you to at least quarantine for ten to fourteen days. So he didn't play game one yesterday, um, and 
I don't know if he's going to be available for game two. So if I was a Ben man, I'd say he'd probably be back by game four, game five-ish as well too. But I feel like with Kawhi not being in the lineup, they still have enough to basically be evened up or be up in the series by the time he comes back as well too. So um, I like it. You have two great coaches. I think Coach Monty Williams is another great coach as well too. You have depth at almost every position as well, too, from top to bottom. So um, I think it's just going to come down to X's and O's again as well, too, and and, then Chris Paul as well, too, Um, because I was watching game one, like we said, like, because Ty Lue played, I think, like 11 men, you know what I'm saying, Boogie. Who played? Morris, Bev, Reggie, man, PG, Batum. Canard, he played everybody just to kind of see and get a feel for um, as well, too. So we know going into the series, like Boogie, if he's going to play, it has to be in limited minutes, but you're going to have to play small. You're going to have, you, you're going to have to play small and just be physical with DeAndre Ayton because it's kind of crazy how, and like you told me a little earlier as well, too, Devin Booker went for a 40-point triple-double. You know what I'm saying? They're at home as well, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know Devin Booker's great. He's damn near looking like the next, you know, coming of Kobe Bryant from an offensive standpoint as well, too. But their role player did what they were supposed to do, and they, and they took care of business at home as well, too. For for them to do all of that and still, what, only win by – well, the, the final score was 114-120, but it, you can really say it lost about two points if, if they don't have – if the Clippers don't have a defensive collapse as well, too. Who knows what happens? You feel me as well? Um, so for them to play damn near their best game of probably the entire playoff run, um, that kind of gives me a little bit more optimism moving forward with the Clippers as well, too, because like we said, this, this is a team that's not going to, you know, go away. I mean, the Clippers could still game one. You know, like I said, Tyler was experimenting in that fourth quarter. He had Boogie in unnecessarily too long. Boogie picked up like three fouls in the span of five minutes. It was kind of him and Morris basically trying to work with other bench players. And it just, it just didn't look like a Ty Lue type of lineup. So they kind of sacrificed that, but you got to be encouraged with, you know, what PG and, and Reggie um, and the crew did as well too, because aside from that, I mean, Terrence Mann only played 27 minutes, but I can see they had a 38 hour turnaround. So you can kind of see why he would want to go 10 11 deep as well too so i expect the the roster to, or the rotation to be a little bit tightened up as well too and i expect for them to kind of you kind of just have to pick up devin booker full court and you can't let him you can't allow him to get in that high screen row action as well too because if you're gonna have zubak he's always gonna cut back so devin booker is just gonna be free in the mid-range and if he plays too up close he's just gonna blow by you as well too so it's one of those things where you gotta have. You basically just have to take the ball of his hands um, and just try to force other players to beat you. And at the same time, you're gonna have to try your best to defend the three point line, especially from the corner three as well, too. Because I feel like Aiden's gonna be Aiden, but um, even though Paul George got it going, Reggie got it going from Trey, they're gonna still have to attack as well, too. They gotta have to be in attack mode if they want any chance to win as well. But I'm a little nervous because you're not only worrying about that. We know for a fact Chris Paul is going to be back at some point in the series. So now you not only have both of them on the floor that's that's both very dynamic, but you have – it's not like PG and Kawhi back back in the earlier in the Utah series or even against Dallas series where 
one of them is always going to be on the floor no matter what. Yeah. When CP comes back, CP or Devin Booker are going to be on the floor at any point in time, and they're good at managing, um, you know, time as well, too, and being efficient. They're either going to take a great shot or they're going to give one of their players a great shot, a great look as well, too. So I'm a little nervous about that. Um, and I'm having a mindset that Kawhi is not going to come back. So, I mean, the Clippers proven that they can go on the road um, and they can protect home court as of late. So we're going to see what, what's going to happen. So I'm having a mindset Kawhi's not coming back. So knowing that CP's coming back, I got uh, I got Phoenix in six, man. But, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, man, I got Phoenix since I got, excuse me, I got the Clippers winning this series in six. <laughs> and um, And here's the reason why. Yes, like you mentioned, right. like you mentioned, I think, you know, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns played <laughs> one of their best games ever this postseason. And their best player had arguably one of his greatest performances of his young professional career. And they only really lost that game by two points. And now, like you said, Tyron Lou was experimenting, right? Saying who, who, what, what matchups really gave Phoenix a lot of problems. Um, also, I have to rest my players. We didn't really have a time to really recuperate and really um, um, heal from our game six victory against Utah. And with that being said, making in-game adjustments, we withstood their, their threes. We withstood Devin Booker's historic night. Yeah, we only lost by two points. So I'm looking at it like, hmm. We didn't really touch the paint like we would love them to do, really attacking, going at eight, really making eight work. I guarantee you're going to see a difference in game two where they're going to be attacking their paint. They're going to put Devin Booker in more in more plays where he has to defend. I think you're going to see Terrence Mann play more minutes because um, in some stretches in the fourth quarter, Devin Booker missed a lot of shots. Terrence Mann, is, he's strong, he's athletic, he's quick. He has to remain disciplined when you're guarding a player like that and just make it difficult because you can't stop a great offensive player like that. But I'm still confident that the Clippers can play well. Their role players have shown it. They have experience. And I believe that Paul George is that type of star to help them gut it out, right, and win tough games, right? So for me, I for me, you're asking Phoenix to do two things. Can you shoot that three ball that well for this entire series? If you can, then they win. If they can shoot that three ball at 50% the way they've done, then you got it. I don't think that they will be able to shoot the three ball the level that they've been shooting the three ball. And if they don't do that, I think, and, if, and the Clippers defend the three and, and contain Aiden from getting offensive rebound and just getting cast in foul trouble, I think they can beat the Phoenix Suns in six games. And I think that's I think that's what's going to happen. I think the Clippers are going to go to the NBA Finals. I think they're going to shock the world. But I just feel like, for some strange reason, man, I just feel like Paul George is locked in. Like, he's super locked in. And obviously, one player doesn't, doesn't win, a, win, a, win a series. Um, I don't care how dynamic that player is. The team thing is a team game. And I think the Clippers have rallied around this concept of team. 
and believing in each other and picking each other up when they're down. And we haven't really seen Phoenix, this playoff really. Face adversity. Face adversity, get hit in the face and how they bounce back, right? I would have loved to see that in the, in the first round when they played the Lakers, but Anthony Davis got hurt and that kind of changed that entire series. Mm. But I believe the Clippers are going to win tomorrow. And when they do, and their back is on against the wall, how will they respond, right? And again, Monty's a phenomenal coach. Devin Booker is who Devin Booker is. Aiden is emerging. As, he's emerging as one of the best bigs we've seen. And their role players are good. Shout out to Mikael Bridges. Shout out to uh, Crowder. Shout out to those guys. Cameron Payne, all of them. Cameron Payne, shout out to all of them. But when them three balls ain't falling, who y'all Who y'all for real? I, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see when those three balls ain't falling. And them shots aren't falling in. Can you win? And if it doesn't hey, but, fall, but, but, but look, but when the three balls ain't falling and Chris Paul back, yeah, who's the king in the mid range? They have two people that they have two players that can guarantee you get you a bucket. And and they also and, and the Clippers also have a player who Chris Paul gets irritated about, Rajon Rondo. Like so, you have you have any and and, and John Rondo is one of those players who. He's smart just as Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul ain't going to outsmart Rajon Rondo, and, and Rondo ain't going to outsmart Chris Paul. So you're going to see that. You're going to see that dogfight. He's going to call Chris Paul. He's going he's gonna to provoke Chris Paul. He's going to do all the little things that he's going to be an heir to. And, and again, when the Phoenix Sun, they don't make the threes at the clip they made it on, on Sunday, this will be a six-game series, and I got the clip with the winner. Call me crazy, call me wild, whatever. Call me whatever. I'm used to it. But I got the Clippers winning in six. All right. So I got I got I got Suns in six. You got Clippers in six. For sure. And we both have the Bucks in five versus the Hawks. Yeah. That's okay. so NBA finals is the Clippers versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Pending Kawhi Leonard probably coming back. Probably not, but you know, who knows? Anything can happen. The Lord works in mysterious ways, but sure. Appreciate you being on the show, ladies and gentlemen. That was episode 111 of The Caesar Show. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at The Caesar Show, at Sir Caesars. We out. It's a pleasure being, being here, bro.